This podcast is sponsored by CDO Group, the industry leader providing a full range of construction and project management services. CDO Group has managed thousands of projects in all 50 states. Their group of experts provides systems, processes, and procedures to make sure that your projects turn over on time and on budget every single time. With over 24 years of experience, CDO Group is the industry's leader in construction management and general contracting services. To find them, go to cdogroup.com. Hi, and welcome to the Future of Development podcast. My name's Anthony Montategi, and I'm here to inspire people to find amazing careers in the construction development world. If you like our podcast, please make sure you hit the subscribe button down below. If you really like our podcast, make sure you hit the little bell. Hi, welcome to the Future Development Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Montategi. Today, I've got the map lady, Taylor Hansha. She is one of the LiDAR mapping software technology experts. It's a lot of fun talking to her. Let's welcome the map lady to the podcast. Taylor, welcome to the show. We're excited about having you on. Hey, thanks for having me, Anthony. You know, nice it, you know it's it's fun to go back and look at uh, you and, uh, this, you know, what you, how'd you become the map lady? Right. I, I want to figure that out. That's that's a fun it's a fun name to have. So how did that how did that manifest in your life? Yeah. So the map lady um, started or that kind of became my title because that's what I was providing. And I got into GIS and um, becoming the map lady because I didn't want to forgo any of the topics that I very much enjoyed. Um, I like geology. I like ecology. I like land use, property, uh, mining all sorts of different things. And um, I was doing some environmental assessment type uh, projects. Um, and then, you know, as I kind of picked up GIS for the first time during undergraduate, I just, you know, became really good at it. And maps became my medium. I didn't have to forego any sort of topics that I really enjoy. And just understanding the spatiality of things, um, you know, it excited me. I was good at it. And they just kept going. And eventually people kept asking me for maps. And Serving them up, I'm the map lady. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's it's fun, right? It became uh, you know to, to become the specialized uh, part of you. You know, and as technology has changed, right, and you start to really look at uh, how to make maps. You know, we went from 2D drawings to now 3D drawings, right? To be able to really look mm -hmm. at a at a space in 3D. Uh, talk to me about some of the stuff that you're using and, and how that's transitioning from where it was before. Yeah, so as I was wrapping up my master's degree, um, I was approached with, honestly, a sales position with um, these uh, 3D LiDAR scanners, these mobile scanners, and I've processed aerial LiDAR data before and um, had worked with 3D in, in GIS, um, but I saw this as an opportunity, you know, I was like, oh, wait, I could you know, have access to this equipment and all the wild things that I thought of that I could use it for. So I said yes, and I kind of got into it, and, um, you know, sooner than later, the you know, all the different applications that I loved within 2D mapping or spatial analysis um, became three-dimensional and I started reality capture and scanning stuff. Um, you know, it's funny, my father's a photographer. I became a 3D photographer on top of the, uh, on top of the GIS and on top of the mapping. So um, it's, it's a really great industry and a lot of people are coming from many different backgrounds and I was surprised to find so few people that came from a GIS background um, in this arena, but um, you know, attaching location to any data set, whether it's a point cloud XYZ data or just, you know, any sort of table, it, it creates magic. Things that are not related to one another are, you know, related by their location, whether it's the other side of the world or right next to it. So uh, for the audience that members that aren't aware of what LIDAR is, 
Let's talk a little bit about what LIDAR is. Yeah, so LIDAR is light imaging detection and ranging. Um, so it's a laser pulse and think about the speed of light and the location that a capture comes from. And if you shoot a beam of light at the direction of something, um, you know, it used to be from air, airplanes looking down at the ground, um, you could account for the amount of time for that laser to come back and, um, and know how far something is. So if you account for where the capture take, is taken from <laughs> and um, how fast a light pulse comes back to it, you could kind of draw, you know, almost a bunch of dots of, okay, where is everything relative to where I'm capturing from? Um, and hopefully that wasn't a too far out. No, too no, no. So, so let me make sure everybody gets this. So essentially you're taking a beam of light and you're bouncing it off of an object, you know, millions and millions of times. And every one of those bounces represents a depth. And through that depth finding, finding that's how you're painting a picture. So it's just literally <laughs> bing, 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 bing. And you're doing that over a surface and you do that millions of times. And that's how you get the different heights of an object. Is that true? Is that correct? Yeah, um, with heights, especially, you know, when, uh, you know, when I first got into using aerial lighter that was available through like programs like our USGS 3DEP and, um, you know, it's it's available in mass to get, you know, pretty large coverage areas from airplanes. And there's maybe, you know, two to five dots every square meter on the ground. Um, but, you know, as I got access to the equipment and I got mobile LIDAR scanners that, okay, whether I'm walking around with it or uh, have it on a backpack or uh, I've scanned off of boats, I've gone skiing with them. If you have a mobile LIDAR scanner and you're measuring the speed of light to wherever you might be, um, you could model, you know, indoors. So not just the height of buildings, but, um, you know, the stuff around you or like, you know, working in forestry. I mean, like, refine, me, refine me a bit because I've worked in so many environments doing so many projects for different groups. And, and just, um, you know, every day, sometimes it's a different project, whether I'm working outdoors, indoors in a cave, in a skyscraper, like. No, it, it's, it's, it's amazing. So being able to take light and, and bounce it off and get those measurements, right? Now, let's talk the difference between that and GIS. So GIS, you know, and, and, and understanding uh, GIS systems. So geographic information systems. Give me the difference between the two of those. Or were ones used for lidar is used for uh, for that. Yeah, so lidar can be used within a geographic information um, system. Um, it can be attached to real world coordinates. Uh, many people don't attach. Um, a point cloud or any of their derivatives after a point cloud to real world coordinates. There's a lot of advantages to doing this. Um, and so bringing LIDAR into GIS or, um, you know, examining LIDAR within GIS, you know, it starts to um, present many more opportunities for categorizing your data, for aggregating data, for um, you know, processing your data, for storing it, organizing it, um, adding location to where these XYZs are, whether they're in, you know, if, you, if you're starting location, oh man, I'm gonna go a little bit technical. So <laughs> if you're scanning, if yeah. you're scanning, yeah, yeah. you start your mobile LiDAR capture, your start point is zero, zero, zero. This is your got origin. It, got it, got so, it. so this, you know, this is my data, datum point. So I start everything from this datum. Mm -hmm. right, so if you're doing a um, mobile LiDAR scan, it's at zero, zero, zero. And, you know, as you walk around or capture things, your XYZ coordinates of the positions of these dots are going to be assigned, you know, say you have a hundred meter range on your scanner and they're all going to probably go within, you know, a measurement, uh, you know, of that hundred meters. But you could take those same measurements and add them to real world 
coordinates, real world locations in, you know, earth projections in, um, you know, well, you probably want to do it on a local projection and then share it in a global projection, a little bit more technical there. But um, if you attach these XYZs that were, you know, closer to zero, or you put your zero, zero, zero to say, you know, whatever your coordinates are on earth, you know, with this, we can start, you know, doing a lot more things like say, give you the coordinates for your kitchen cabinets or, you know, asset tracking of all sorts. But there's a few steps between between those to get to those, um, you know, these applications and workflows. Um, but they are enabled through the use of location and GIS. Got it. So, so we take a GIS is essentially the aggregate of all of the information in the, in the one, in one place and calling that a geographic uh, information. So, so we're, so we're getting all of the, just like, uh, like, like, uh, BIM is for building, uh, GIS <laughs> is for, for ground, right? Where we're taking all of the information data that we have, we're processing about a pro about a topic, you know, and as we start to really look forward and the, the digital twin platform is becoming more relevant today than ever before, right? Being able to, uh, go out there, you know, we we're hearing about, uh, a meta, uh, you know, uh, the old Facebook company uh, hired three camera folks to go out there and and, and measure and, and photograph all of these areas, right? So they kind of get a 3D image, a picture of all of these spaces, right? So to go, we want a, an image of the entire planet, right? So we're, we're going to look at it in a whole other way. And as we start to really create this metaverse, this universe of, of information where where we can we can slip between uh, real reality, right, and, and ground, and then you'd be able to slip into a virtual reality, right, or, or from from real reality to augmented reality to virtual reality, right, as we're able to slip through these different components, this data that you're collecting becomes way more and more important every single day, right? Uh, uh, as, you, as you look at all the different places that you're, uh, when you're taking these, these measurement devices into into caves or, or into into uh, tunnels or or all, you know, what are the different application places that you use this? Uh, so built-in natural environments, the convergence of these built-in natural environments, um, you know, say forestry applications, I can count the trees in the forest. I can do a volumetric of a right-of-way that you need to clear. Um, I can, you know, if that's in the forest, what other data is in the forest? There's a lot of different data points in the forest. Um, if I'm doing caves or mines, uh, actually my first um, demonstration I ever did in a cave actually became a search and rescue mission. Um, Whoa. You know, we have, <laughs> wait, yeah. wait, wait, so what happened here? <laughs> so we, um, we were in the cave and we're scanning the cave and actually, um, you know, we encounter some people and say hello, and it's a, it's a well-known cave, um, so people visit it at, like, of all sorts of skill levels. And, you know, we run to people, say hello, and then they come back, they're like, my my mother fell in the lake room and she can't get up. And the team that I was with happened to be actually on the, um, um, you know, the state uh, underground rescue team. So they went and found her and I just kind of like, okay, twiddle my thumb sitting there in a cave. I did what any other saleswoman who got like ditched in a cave would do is like try to sell things to passersby. People keep weird hours in caves. Um, but, you know, they eventually carried this woman out and, you know, the whole fire department came and the sheriff and everyone showed up and Im immediately it was like, what if we already knew like what equipment could fit through the space? What if we already had like, you know, okay. And that's just one cave, but you know, if there's any other locations where people are at, okay, like what, like just a map to get to it. Do these guys know what this area looks like? Some of them do like the cave rescue team's familiar with it, but what can we bring in stretchers? Can we, uh, what sort of access does this place have? Um, 
was something that I could figure out with the data if needed or like, you know, kick this data to, you know, the local sheriff if they don't have it yet. Um, so, so that so, was just a, so now, one, one example, one story. <laughs> so now, now more than ever, you, you need to be able to take, a, take this measure, measuring process into the map, into the cave, map out and measure the entire cave sizes, all of the different uh, components of it, all the different rooms, all the Where's different. Where's the water? Where's the water? Where's the transition spots? To really get now, now you can really take in and create a 3D image of it, right? Really a space where it was a, a 2D image, and now really start to look at it in a 3D view. Now that that transition, uh, I, th I think, is really amazing, right? Because the amount of information that you can get with how do I get equipment down there, uh, you know, the volumes of air that are down there, all you know, really understanding that environment way more than ever before than, than you could ever do with a pencil and pen and maybe in a, in a tape measure and they're trying to measure something. But, you know, the difference of it, you know, this is getting you every segment of it, right? Every every small spot, every every deep spot, this is getting you real actual measurements of the entire cave. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I guess uh, we, got, we got stuck in caves today, which I, I don't mind because um, it could go anywhere. Um, but... You know, for this one also, what's really great about GIS and other things is it's, uh, you know, it's a platform for sensor integration. Like you said, wind and other measurements in the cave. What if I have, you know, measurements of humidity and moisture and airflow throughout this environment, just like any other um, you know, data set I could couple it with um, with a LiDAR scan because it could be a point cloud. Okay, that's that's sweet. Whatever other sensors might exist in there or say, let's get out of the cave and go to the surface. You know, if I scanned, you know, my whole block and I could cross this with the parcel data. Okay, you know, what uh, chop up the point cloud by each parcel on the block. I mean, there's so many things that you can do with that alone. Um, <laughs> you know, no, no, it's, uh, that's there. So now we come out of the caves, right? So we move our way out of caves. <laughs> now, now we move ourselves out. We're, now we go from cavemen now to living on living on the surface of the earth. And now we're on the surface of the earth. And uh, the the lidar technology you're using to scan. Uh, what are some of the some of the ways that you're doing this? Is this all handheld? Is this stuff that's being flown by drone? Is this being flown by planes? Talk to me a little bit about how are you capturing? Where is the lidar being connected to? And, and what how's it capturing? The information yeah so personally myself i still need to find time to do my uh my knowledge test and get my 107 so i don't fly but that is totally okay um because you know i collect data um you know with handheld scanners sometimes i'll wear it on my back um one time I was, um, I wanted to scan, they, they moved the London Bridge to Lake Havasu and I went down to the dock and I was like, hey man, um, I got this laser in my backpack, can, can we 3D model this bridge? And I just kind of picked up a, a dude with a boat and uh, we went on the boat and scanned the bridge from the boat. Um, you know, I did take right, it so, skiing. Right, so, I rode it. So, Sorry. <laughs> so he's sitting there on the side of the water. He's, and you're like, excuse me, a, a girl with a backpack shows up and goes, I want to laser a bridge. Now, Th today that might be a little bit awkward. I'm not, when you say laser bridge yeah. or, you know, uh, a backpack and uh, someone I don't know. I hey, going to make a 3D model, you know, it's art, it's, it's, you know, data, it's, it's technology. It does bring up a lot of other questions that I don't think we'll deep dive into right now, unless you really want to help me with those, um, those type questions. But um, yeah, I, I definitely kind of surprised some people out of nowhere all the time. People stop me all the time when I'm scanning, like, what are you doing? They always hit me with the Ghostbusters joke. It kind of looks like, you know, big <laughs> backpack. Like, you know, I tell them I ain't afraid of no ghost. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I think um, one of my breakthrough moments and when it really kind of was 
when I put my name on the map um, was when I took the equipment skiing and I rode it up the ski lift and I scanned down onto the hill and then I went back and forth and within one run, I like, um, modeled the whole ski run and processed it in about the same amount of time that it took to run down the mountain. And <laughs> it was just, I mean, it was a pretty impressive application and use and, um, you know, the fact that the mobile technology is at a point where uh, I guess more technical is that like, the registration to be able to solve that environment. So as we're moving through a place and I'm shooting a laser, you know, in different directions, we use say um, like SLAM is like a type of algorithm that would account for where I am or where the capture is taking place versus what's around us. So I know where I was when each capture was made um, and the ability to do this um, to automatically register within um, a local scene within zero 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 and not real world coordinates yet um, is you know where our technology is at right now and it's it makes it very um, very usable very very easy to, to manage this stuff and even in post process so kind of anyone can scan you can put it on anything um, I mean there's definitely best practices and ways to make really great scans and use it in tricky environments. But, um, you know, I gave, I gave one to my grandmother and, and had her walk around the apartment and, and she was able to do it. So, so your grandmother lidar her, her apartment. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, you know, just as an example of how simple it is to just move about a space, you just move this equipment through a place, whether my Nana's got it or whether it's on a vehicle or, um, you know, some boat who's like, where do you want me to go? Um, we could model, the, we can model the world around us with, uh, you know, we could, you know, it's even enhanced when we have other data points from GIS and, and real world locations. So that's awesome. You know, the, yeah. uh, you know, the, the more and more technology that we integrate into the job site, you know, the more information that we capture about a space, you know, uh, uh, you know, for many, many years, the construction industry would, would it was very segmented. And information did not transition very well, right? A lot of times we would go out and gather all kinds of, you know, the the site measurements and all the things that are on a site, utilities, layouts, all the things that happen uh, on those components. And then we go, for, you know, go from there and we start to do drawings, right? And oftentimes the stuff that we learned in the beginning doesn't translate to the second section, right? And in the second section, we start to we gain a lot of information about the building, right? The way it lays out, the way, the way you know, people are going to access it, all of our design development stuff. And then we transition into construction, you know, and then we go through construction and there's a whole new set of data that gets created in, in there. And then we, then we give it to operations and we spend the next 20 years trying to figure out how to operate the building. And then, you know, it dies and we start this whole thing over again. Rarely does the information that we gather, and I think today we're starting to see that, you know, GIS is really a, a, the start for really understanding a piece of property. And now, how do we capture that? And it stays with, you know, it's like the title. It stays with the title of the of the property. You know, and, and I think as we look at the metaverse, this is one of the spots where blockchain technology captures that and it holds it with a piece of property, right? Now I can take that and I couple it with the BIM modeling that I do with with the, the building I'm gonna build, right? The design development portion of it where I'm, I'm doing this in a 3D model. Then I communicate to the subcontractors in 3D aspects what I need, what work I need to have done, and then as I complete the work, I can I can see the three, you know, I get augmented reality where I'm looking at the the 
the the model in 3D, but now I'm also looking at it uh, in in reality, right? So I'm looking at both, right? The the space I'm, I I want to build and the space that I am building, and really creating red line drawings as I go through it. So so taking that GIS, starting with really great GIS, that's the fundamentals for what we're doing. Mm -hmm. I think it's an incredible way to um, handle data, manage it. Uh, you mentioned it going with the title, and I have some groups that like, you know, they've been they got into this, they started scanning, they got clients and they're like, what do I do with all my data? Um, and who actually should, you know, keep it at hand or like, does it sell with the property? Yes. I think it should go with the title. Should it be, you know, associated with some sort of fungible token? Why not? But like it is, I mean, I'm not even going to go down that rabbit hole because I could take every piece of the building and, and tokenize it and account for it, yeah. you know, during construction process. Um, you know, I think I haven't touched on, you know, the power of temporal data or sometimes some people say the fourth dimension of, you know, if I scan a job site once, if construction's happening and I happen to scan it once, there's a lot of useful information I could get, whether it's, you know, the as-built and compared to what the plan is or where we're at. Tokenize the work or like proof of work for every yeah. single day. Like, you know, that's something that excites me. You know, I had this whole idea about like, okay, 3D foreman, like what happened at the site every day and um, who's out there? I mean, you could even, um, you know, say, okay, run up on the site, post all the jobs you need done to a certain specifics out front. And, you know, the scan's been done at the end of the day and it automatically updates what needs to be done and what jobs are available on the site, um, you know, is something that I've, you know, daydreamed about many times. Um, but, you know, even on type of, uh, you know, going back to data management and organization, I think GIS really holds the key um, to useful and tropical data and data standards, which there's a lot of um, entities rallying for, okay, how are we going to make this useful to everyone? What do we need? What components do we need to have? Or um, how can this data be digested? Um, and I think GIS um, has a lot of the answers as to, okay, how should this data be stored or, you know, formatted um, for to be useful to everyone. Um, although there is no 100% consensus on it yet. <laughs> Wait, hold on. When you find 100% consensus in anything, my, my, my guess is that's the day they're putting dirt over top of you. Because I can tell you right now, it's I, in this business, it just blows me away with the amount of the amount. Of, you know, every every everywhere we go, and we've got lots of opinions. All right. By the way, we're also going pretty fast. I, I mean, you know, oh, yeah. the, the speed by which we're developing today has never been faster. I mean, it, you know, to build something, uh, some of the things that we're doing today in days might have taken companies. I mean, seriously, months, months and months and months. Uh, to do things, you know, uh, we're today doing projects that used to take uh, a couple, just a couple of years ago, six and eight weeks. We're now doing them in 11 or 14 days, right? I mean, you, you think about the speed by which we're able to communicate, paint the picture a little bit brighter, right? In order for us to paint the picture of the job site, the amount of information that's on there and what we're doing. So, so as you, as you start to uh, take this GIS information, right, as you start to scan uh, the this this spaces and certainly you can see a future where scanning will happen all day long every day right now how mm -hmm. does how does the computer and AI take that that math because it's a massive amount of data right I mean each one of these scans is, is not a, sm a small file right and it, and it takes it takes quite a bit to grab that but as we get that now it interprets the difference between the first one and the second one right and you can see very quickly how uh, that will transition into work completed. Right in, in progress, 
and and all kinds of different, in fact, all kinds of things we can't even see today, right? We can't even see where this is going to take us. Well, I, I think that's one of the coolest things about, about growth is as we break through these new barriers, we don't know where we're going to end up, right? It's, it's kind of scary <laughs> a little bit, right? Because you're like, oh, well, I want to know. I need to know. But then you also don't know, like, okay, this leads to something else, right? Oftentimes looking forward, it's hard. Uh, when we look backwards, sometimes it's a little bit easier to connect the dots, right? Because you kind of look back and go, oh, we did this. Oh, and that made that. Oh, and this made that. It makes a little bit more sense why the dots connect. It's a little bit harder looking forward, right, to, to connect the dots, to know where so we're going to be. I, I would speak to, you know, people who are uncertain about what's next and maybe holding back from jumping into this stuff because they don't know where it's going. Uh, I mean... I'd encourage them, of course, to, to start now because one, if you want temporal data or change data or before and after, you're going to have to wait that much longer if you hesitate to get that, you know, get now, whether you have a data standard or not, we have all the tools to make use of this stuff, no matter what the standards are or, you know, what, you know, where we go, like we have the ability to make use of it and have it. And we're never going to have that baseline until we do it. So why not just jump in and, and get it sooner than later? Um, you know, questions about, you know, data formats, you know, if, if you're flexible and you have the right tools to handle this information, you know, it, it becomes, it becomes moot, especially if you have good data management and storage practices and you can always, you know, have the original data and reform it into whatever, um, you know, it, whatever, um, you know, are the requirements for that project or become the standards in the future, just collecting robust data and understanding what has been done to this data, um, where it represents, you know, because, you know, we mentioned even taking pictures of something. I'm doing a wind farm. I have pictures of windmills. Okay. All the windmills look the same. Attach them to location and we have a little bit more assurance of which windmill it is. And this is another great way to organize this data because, okay, maybe this windmill, we got the first picture this year. This one, we got the, you know, the first picture 10 years ago. Attach it to location and, you know, the, the GIS can manage the rest of it. Um, but, you know, kind of where I took my edge was, you know, having these tools. Cause yes, I could think about these things all day and, you know, be ahead in the clouds and that's awesome. But at the end of the day, like the name of the game is, you know, having it at hand and being able to, um, you know, actually go out and capture this data and, and make the use of it. And, um, so that's why kind of, I, I left this consulting, you know, pie in the sky ideas all the time into like, okay, I'm an outfitter and whatever your pie in the sky idea is, I got the tools to make it happen. And I also have the ability to teach your team um, how to, you know, handle this and how to make use of it and, and process it for whatever need be. So I figured I'd go for the gusto and, and you know, become the source of it. Why not? <laughs> well, I don't, I, you know, oftentimes I think the people around me go, I don't know if we, we, can, we can get all his pie-in-the-sky pie ideas because I come up with some pie-in-the-sky ideas. You know, there are, you know, I, I, I see a future where this technology, uh, you know, uh, uh, through reading books like Life 3.0 and reading, uh, you know, all, all kinds of stuff from, uh, you know, uh, different great writers and talking about where the future is going to be and really start to, to, to liven up my, uh, my imagination, right, to really look at, uh, what's possible, right? When I get out of the realm of being, you know, the, those folks who are afraid of the future, like, oh my God, it's going to take my job. Yeah, great. If you're sticking your job, you probably had a shitty job, right? Uh, uh, how, how will, uh, you know, how, how can technology partner with me? How can my life become better? 
if if I can get rid of the stuff that I don't want to do, what's the stuff that I really can do, right? You know, if, if we, where, where can I really become, you know, where, what can the future really hold for us as we start to get rid of the, the menial tasks, the, the, you know, the, the repetitive jobs that are just, you know, arduous and, and, and not very inspiring. And how do we take that creative part of us, right? That, that part of us that's this real intuitive and creative and has the ability to really look at things in, in a different way. I think that's the thing about human beings that are, that are amazing. As we start to really unload all the load of, of stuff we have, you know, and we get present to the world, and, and it's moving a little fast. A lot of us are drinking off a of fire hose and afraid to admit it that we're, that we're, having, we're struggling to, to keep up. And, and it stops us. You know, that fear kind of stops us in our track. And I say, stop being afraid. Get heads up. Really look at these opportunities. Like, embrace them, right? Imagine what it would be like if I said, you know, remember that movie, Yes Man? What if I was a yes man? I said yes to everything. Great. Yes. <laughs> yes. Wait, wait, imagine if I could walk through the day and go, yeah, I'll try that. Oh, yeah, I'll try that. Imagine what that would be like as opposed to, you know, oftentimes my fear slows me down and, I, I, you know, I, I kind of look back and go, hmm, rarely has it ever been, uh, rarely have I ever been disappointed about something I didn't do, something I wanted to do. And, and uh, um, you know, it's always about me saying no to something I wanted to, to do. Looking back and going, you know, I should have done that. I should have not taken a nap and gone, you know, I can remember I, I missed out going, uh, um what are those things that you fly off mountains, little little uh, triangles, pieces of uh, uh, fabric? Oh, paraglider. Paraglider, right? I, my family went paraglider. Mm-hmm. I went and took a nap. I went and took a nap, and I came back, and they had videos of them parag- paragliding. I'm like, oh. You shouldn't have slept on it. I see that? Like, all of a sudden, I took a nap, and I'm like, I, I could have been paragliding. Imagine what how wonderful that was, right? Think, think about it. I, I napped while they were paragliding, and now I have to fly all the way back to South Africa because I'm going to go paragliding off of that mountain. That was Table Mountain in uh, in South Africa, and Cape Town, and I'm gonna go. I, I have to fly all the way back there now because I can't hit, I can't have my final breath without uh, going to fly off that mountain one day. You know, it's I well. Feel- let me know when you're doing that, and we could put a 3D scanner on the paraglider and capture some data. <laughs> I, I got it. I'm, I'm with you. Right. You know, think about how much fun that is. So I mean, that could get plugged into metaverse type thing and share that experience with everyone else. This is where this stuff is heading. <laughs> it is. I mean, it, it really is. It's it's fascinating the speed by which we are. Uh, uh, you know, we're, we're growing. So I continue to be amazed by it. So, you know, uh, Matt Blady, <laughs> tell me some more. Oh man, where, where to start? Where to start? I'm a constant refining process because it's like, it can just pop in anywhere. And when I look around, I see data in everything. Like, you know, people, you know, they scrape all sorts of data out of our phones and our, and our activities. But when I look around the world, if I look at any city block, I open my eyes anywhere. I can see interesting relative profitable points of data all around me. So, you know, how That's do we, awesome. how do we, you know, make it useful? Am I going to send off a whole point cloud to sell someone like, you know, the dimensions of every building on this block? Like, no, my, do they want just a number? I mean, even like within the workspace, there's still some people that like, okay, rewind a bit. I used to get say three years ago, people would be like, I want a reality capture. And I'd be like, what, what, what data? do you want? What are you trying to do? They call me up. They're like, I need a reality capture. And I'm like, all right, but what are you trying to do? And like, what information are you trying to make use out of? And, you know, there is a trend now, um, you know, ongoing of hiding the point clouds and some people can't like look at a point cloud and know what's going on. Um, you know, I look at a point cloud and I also make point cloud art. So I'm just like, okay, cool. That's really sweet way to look at it. Um, you know, also, you know, it is a light data set. If it's just XYZ coordinates without any other pictures, it is very little, small amount of data. 
So I could start, you know, the, the, the point or the starting point of any geometry, any shape is a point. You could take a dot and go any direction, make it a line, you know, you know, a regular shape or a 3D shape. And there's any which way you could go, just like this conversation about LIDAR and point clouds. Um, but knowing what, what you want to do with it or how to process it, that really is where the not everyone can do it, like not Nana can do it is and so um you know getting these derivatives from you know these scans or from you know even extracting it out of a self-driving car that's not saving a data or like you know there's so many angles i could take this from um but the question really being like okay how do i make use of these point clouds or combine it with something else or serve it up to someone else or share it with my clients or publish it um you know I'm just asking more questions and going to make a little like way more too many places for me to go with this, um, with those. So I'll try to keep it on that. So, so, um, so I, this this, was you said something I, I really love. I imagine self-driving yeah. cars collecting all the data from the LIDAR and camera imaging that that's processed. Right. I mean, to constantly imagine what you were talking about, having a world where it's constantly being updated second by second, you know, with thousands and thousands and millions and millions of data points, uh, you know, by, by vehicles that are there, that are out there all day, every day, driving around, going, all right, like you know, my my Tesla's got eight different cameras on it. It's imagine capturing that data and feeding it back to the to this uh, into this world where uh, data collection, like you said, I, you know, I can see data in everything. I can see mm -hmm. data points in everything I look at. Everything I look at has a data point to it, which is kind of cool. So why isn't the self-driving car collecting data like this? Because that's a lot of data to process on the fly. It needs to actually pay attention to like, you know, children chasing balls into the street. And that's like, you know, the bigger concern with the self-driving car. Like they can't, like, you know, as a business perspective, they can't be jeopardizing their, their vehicle operation for the data point collection. But, you know, there's other ways to go about this and also to make it lighter to process. So let's say you have a GIS and this GIS is the baseline of, you know, where this data is going to be collected. So you could also okay you have this 3d point cloud or this you know you know in the back it doesn't even publish out to any viewers like in an interface but you know where the car knows where it's going through it could actually even sense okay what's different than what i expect with the power of gis so maybe it drives past it once and says ah there's something different and then it says okay the next car to enter this location can go ahead and actually take a closer look at this and feed that back instead of you know like loading data all the time. Um, so, I mean, that's just, you know, one thought even of practical application of how, how to go with it. And, you know, GIS being the backbone and the baseline for, um, you know, for this information to exist in. Um, so that's, you know, I don't know. They got the self-driving cars around here uh, and the self-driving trucks. That's actually out of, out of Tucson also. Yeah, I sometimes yeah. see them no, that, It's amazing. <laughs> you guys are like the test ground for all of that stuff up there. It's a, uh, uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty darn amazing, you know. Uh, uh, as as your uh, mapping, uh, you know, people want to hire you and they want to find you. Uh, you know, uh, where Taylor, where, where where can they find you? What what can uh, how can they get a hold of you? How can they hire you to do uh, mapping for them? Yeah, so um, the best way to get a hold of me is through my website, maplady.com. Um, the social that I'm most active on is actually Instagram because you know I actually can't deal with most of it all the time so i'm like y'all get a picture um so i like instagram and a little where i put a lot of my point cloud art and um, like a lot of my other content um but definitely taylor at maplady.com 
Um, you know, also through Point Cab, of course, um, we're announcing this week that um, I'm the U.S. master reseller for Point Cab, which is pretty exciting. Um, so not only do I make sure this gets out and all the, you know, the business aspects on the U.S. side um, is, is managed, but, you know, all the applications for this of, you know, any scanner, even the iPhone, you know, Everyone can collect point cloud data pretty much at this point. So how do they make use of it? Um, so I've teamed up with Point Cab to do that, and you can definitely get a hold of me through them as well. Um, but you know, there's a or, or you know, if you see my van driving through your town, I'm on the road. I am a van lifer, um, and I am <laughs> on tour. I'm on tour all year round, and I love it. Like you know, it's it's how I do it. So um, you know, I. I'm all over the country. I have stops coming up. Um, you know, I'll be in Colorado like next week for geo week and, you know, I have some Northwest stuff happening. You know, I, I mostly go between Tucson and New York. Um, but yeah, I, you can wave down the van cause I'm literally all over the country year round and on tour constantly. So um, we, we got, we got to get you, we got to get you uh, like, like one of those little things that we can track you a little tracker and uh, trap, trap, track the map lady on my, uh, find my iPhone. So uh, Taylor, I, I, uh, I love talking to you cause you have so much knowledge uh, and uh, your conversations always wind up and they just get me excited thinking about different uh, ideas. People can get a hold of you at maplady.com, right? We'll make sure we mm -hmm. get a plug for the website. And, uh, and if they want to do, they want to hire you, uh, they can get a proposal, all that stuff from you from there. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, also, Anthony, I love listening to your podcast. Like, I'm driving around all over the country listening to Future of Development, like, jumping up and down, like, oh, that idea, like, trying to riff off of it. And, like, I guess I also do Clubhouse. It's almost like a podcast you can talk to. But, you know, Future of Development, I'm just like, oh, man, that's where my head's at. <laughs> good, good, good. Well, um, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, like all mm -hmm. you people out there, if you like this podcast, uh, you know, hit the subscribe button. If you really like it, hit the bell uh, we'll be, uh, we're, we're glad to have you on here, Taylor and Mrs. Map Lady. Uh, lots of luck to you miss. and, uh, <laughs> miss, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Miss Map Lady. We're, uh, we're glad to have you on here, Taylor, and, uh, look forward to having you on, uh, some more as, as more progress, uh, continues to be made. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. My name is Anthony Montategi. Always looking for people to bring insight into the industry. Finding ways to inspire people to have amazing careers in the development world. If you liked our podcast, make sure you hit the subscribe button down below. If you really liked our podcast, make sure you hit the little bell. Thanks again for listening. Please share it with your friends.